You're listening to the Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means that is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we want to look at what the Bible has to say about blindness, looking at the story of blind Barnabas, found in Mark chapter 10. The big idea here is that we need to seek God's perspective. So let's turn to Mark chapter 10 and read verses 46 to 52. Now they came to Jericho, and as they went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Six blind Hindu men were led to an elephant. They could not see the elephant because they were blind, so they had to feel the elephant in order to describe what the elephant was like. This is how these six blind Hindu men described the elephant. The first man described the elephant as a wall. He felt the elephant's side. The second blind man described the elephant as a spear. He felt the elephant's tusks. The third blind man described the elephant as being snake-like. He felt the elephant's trunk. The fourth blind man described the elephant as like a tree trunk. He felt the elephant's legs. The fifth blind man described the elephant as like a huge fan. He felt the elephant's ears. And then the sixth blind man described the elephant as like a rope. He felt the elephant's tail. Who was right in their descriptions of the elephant? All of them were right, but none of them was completely right. All of these descriptions give us an idea of what the elephant is like, but any one of these descriptions alone would be wrong. Why? Because their perspective was limited and not complete. There are things we are blind to. When it comes to God and his kingdom, our perspective is limited. When it comes to God's unfolding plan for the future, our perspective is limited. When it comes to God's plan for our lives, our perspective is limited. We don't know everything there is to know about our future. We only know in part. God never gives us the entire blueprint for our lives. Why? It forces us to trust God. 
It forces us to live by faith. It puts us in a position to seek Him for direction. We never get God's entire perspective on any matter until after it happens to us, and then even then we don't completely understand what has just happened to us. We are like blind men trying to describe an elephant. We don't get the whole perspective a lot of times, and that's why we need God's perspective. This is something that we need to constantly seek God for. We need to seek God for his perspective on the matters in life that we face. We are blind. We cannot see. We lack God's perspective. We see this truth all the time, repeated over and over again in the scriptures. In our text, we have a great example of this. We have blind Bartimaeus, but he saw something in Jesus that those around him did not see. The crowd around Jesus did not have the same perspective on Jesus Christ as blind Bartimaeus did. Blind Bartimaeus had sight. And the crowd around Jesus that were following him that had sight did not see something that blind Bartimaeus clearly saw. So in this story, we have a blind man who saw something and we see uh, people around Jesus who were blinded to things about Jesus Christ. This is an interesting paradox found in this story. So one of the key characteristics of the ministry of the Messiah was recovery of sight to the blind. We look in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19, the scriptures say this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. One of the reasons that Jesus came into this world was to heal those that were blind. When John the Baptist was in prison, he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him, and this is found in Luke 7 verse 19, are you the coming one or do we look for another? It seems that John the Baptist, who earlier had um, announced and declared to the world that Jesus was the Messiah, now that he was in prison, he began to doubt the identity of Jesus. And perhaps Jesus didn't measure up to his expectations. I know that a lot of Jewish people in the first century had a whole set of expectations about what the Messiah would do, how he would come, and Jesus did not measure up to these expectations. And the Bible goes on to tell us in Luke 7 and verse 21 that that very hour, he, that's Jesus, cured many infirmities, afflictions, evil spirits, and many blind he gave sight. And then the Bible goes on to say in verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John these things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And so John's disciples came to Jesus. They saw all of these miraculous things that Jesus was doing. And then Jesus then turns to the disciples of John and says, Go back and tell John the things that you have just seen. That was Christ's answer 
to John's disciples. And so they would have gone back and they would have told John what they just witnessed. Jesus knew that John knew enough about the Old Testament that he would be able to see that Jesus truly was fulfilling what the Old Testament said the Messiah would do. That Jesus was doing the things that the Old Testament said the Messiah would do when he came. And, of course, amongst these things that the Messiah would do was healing of those that were blind. So this is one of the key things that Jesus came to do, was to heal those that were blind. And so let's examine this whole subject of blindness and see what the Bible has to say about blindness. And one of the first things that I discovered in looking at this whole subject of blindness is that there are different types of blindness there are at least two different types of blindness. There is physical blindness, a person who literally is unable to see, like blind Bartimaeus. And then there is spiritual blindness, a person who cannot see the truth. Spiritual blindness is more common than you may think. So let's look at some examples of blindness. First example we come uh, upon is um, found in Acts chapter 26, Paul's conversion recounted before King Agrippa. So that's Acts chapter 26, verses 14 to 18. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Paul suffered from a type of blindness before his conversion. He thought that he was doing right by persecuting the church. He thought that he was doing God's work. And that is why Paul was so confused when he was confronted on the Damascus Road. He hears this voice that says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, we can hear the confusion in the question, who are you, Lord? And of course, the reply was, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Can, can you imagine how mind-bending that would be for the Apostle Paul? One who was a, a, a staunch follower of Yahweh and then all of a sudden he gets confronted by God by Yahweh and who identifies himself as Jesus can you imagine how mind-bending that would be for the Apostle Paul who begins to realize that Jesus is God and that he is persecuting God's people the Christians and so Paul was confronted by Jesus Christ and he was beginning to see how blind he was to the truth. And Paul had spent his whole life in pursuit of truth. He realizes that, uh, that he doesn't know anything. An infant, 
as far as knowing the truth about God. So the Bible tells us that Paul was blind for three days. This is Acts 9.9, the the actual account of Paul's conversion. And of course we know that... um, that God sent Ananias, a disciple, to pray for Paul, and then he was healed of his physical blindness. And so Paul was healed of more than one type of blindness at his conversion. He was healed of two types of blindness. He was healed of, of course, physical blindness, and then Paul was healed of a spiritual blindness. And so Paul's physical condition was very telling about his spiritual condition. Paul was sent to preach the gospel to men because they were also experiencing blindness. The Lord commissions Paul and says that he was called to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith. Let's look at a second example of blindness found in the scriptures. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. That's from Revelation 3, verses 17 and 18. John tells us that the church at Laodicea is poor, naked, and blind. Yet we know that the church at Laodicea was rich. They had need of nothing, and they had their physical sight. John was talking about their spiritual condition. They were blind to God's truth. They were blinded to their spiritual condition. They were poor, blind, and naked. What was the truth in the natural realm was exactly opposite in the spiritual realm. They were suffering from spiritual blindness. Let's look at a third example taken from a discussion between Jesus and his disciples. This is taken from Matthew chapter 13. Jesus was approached by his disciples and asked why he spoke in parables. This is after he He gave them the parable of the sower and the seed. So Jesus replies to them and says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. That's Matthew 13, verse 13. The parables would be revealed to those that were sincerely interested in seeking truth. Those that were hostile to the message of the truth that Jesus was communicating would not understand that truth. Why? Because Jesus was deliberately trying to hide the truth from them? No, because they were not interested or open to the truth. They had already rejected the truth in their hearts. And so Jesus quotes from Isaiah, And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people has grown dull, Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. That's from Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15. 
The Pharisees were like ancient Israel, who did not receive or understanding the warnings of the prophets. The parable of the sower, or the soil, that is the context of this discussion, is the key to understanding all parables. The soil of our heart must be good in order to receive God's truth. Now we know from this parable that there were four different types of soil. There was the good soil and then there were three types of bad soil. We have to have good soil to plant good seed so that that seed will grow. Well, our hearts are like the soil. Our hearts must be open to truth, otherwise we will be blinded to that truth. Blindness has everything to do with an open heart to truth. One who doesn't have a heart open to truth is, in fact, blind. A fourth example, Paul tells us that non-Christians are blind. This is from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, taken from the New Living Translation. Satan, the god of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, so they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. They don't understand the message we preach about the glories of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And so from this scripture, we realize that the non-believer is blinded, naturally blinded to truth. And so to summarize what we've talked about so far, the Bible tells us that non-Christians are blind. That's the scripture we just looked at in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The Bible tells us that Christians can go blind, like the Laodicean Christians that once had sight and lost that sight. And then the Bible tells us that Christians can have blind spots. An example of this is where Jesus attempts to explain certain truth to his disciples and they just don't get it. We'll look at these examples in a couple minutes. So the conditions of blindness in the Bible are complete blindness, going blind, and blind spots. Now, Going back to our text in Mark 10, verse 51, Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? The reply was, Teacher, I want to see. This verse may be more relevant to us than we realize. The request of blind Bartimaeus was, I want to see. This must also be our request, our prayer. I want to see, Lord I want my eyes to be opened. I want the eyes of my heart to see your truth. Give me your sight, Lord. Help me to see. This should be our daily prayer. We've been talking about different types of blindness. Now we want to move on and talk about the commonness of blindness, how widespread it is amongst mankind. We have already given you a number of examples showing how common blindness is. John the Baptist suffered from it. Non-Christians suffer from it. The Laodicean Christians suffered from it. And the Apostle Paul himself suffered from it. There are many who cannot see. They are blind in their understanding of biblical truth. And they are blind to God's direction and purpose for their lives. Let's look at how common this condition of blindness is. 
Let's look at an interesting scripture found in 1 Samuel 9 and verse 9. It says there, Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For he who now is called a prophet was formerly called a seer. So prophets were called seers. Why were they called seers? Because they saw things that others did not see. And so let's look at some examples from the prophets. There's a wonderful story told in 2 Kings chapter 6 about Elisha. The king of Syria complains to his officers that there was a spy amongst them telling the king of Israel his battle plans. But his officers disagree and say, no, it's the prophet Elisha that gives away your battle plans. This is found in 2 Kings 6, verses 11 and 12. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you are speaking in your bedroom. So the king of Assyria sets out to capture Elisha. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so what is happening here? The king of Syria decided to go and capture Elijah because he kept telling the king of Israel his battle plans. He sends a contingent of soldiers to the city of Dothan to find Elijah. And so Elijah's servant wakes up one morning and walks out and sees that the city is completely surrounded by the enemy. Goes to Elijah and uh, mentions this, and Elijah does not seem disturbed or bothered at all by the fact that the city is surrounded by the enemy. He simply states that those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Elijah prays that his servant's eyes would be opened. And the Lord opens the man's eyes and he sees that they are literally surrounded by horses and chariots of fire, by God's fiery angels. And that Elijah is in a good place. He is safe uh, because God's protection is all around him. So in the natural, Elijah's servants saw that they were surrounded by the enemies, but he did not see things from God's perspective. And often we do not see things from God's perspective. We see through our natural eye and we see the difficulties that are around us, but we do not see things from God's perspective. Not usually. God wants us to see with his eyes. He wants us to see from his perspective. And Elijah had that ability to see from God's perspective. And so he prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened. Elijah's servant was blinded to the realities, God's reality. Look what happens next 
Elijah prays that this army would be struck with blindness. And so if you look at 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 18, it reads this way. So when the Assyrians came down to him, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And then look what happens after that. Elijah leads them to the camp of Israel, and he prays again that their sight would be restored. This is found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. So Elijah said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was, when they had come to Samaria, that Elijah said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw that they were inside Samaria. And so here they were, surrounded, this enemy uh, force was surrounded by the armies of Israel in the city of Samaria. We have a second example of a false prophet by the name of Balaam, who the Bible tells us the Lord opened his eyes because he was blinded to something that God wanted him to see. Numbers chapter 22, verses 31 to 33. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with the sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat in his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you by now and let her live. So here we have the story of Balaam, a false prophet, who was going in a direction contrary to what God had told him. Balaam's donkey saw the danger that Balaam was in and attempted to save him by turning away from the direction that Balaam wanted to go in. The angel of the Lord was about to strike Balaam with a sword, and Balaam never saw it. But the donkey did and turned away to save his master. But the master kept beating him because he didn't understand why the donkey was being stubborn and turning in a direction that he did not want him to go. And then the Bible tells us that the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam so that he saw. Balaam saw the reality of things the way they were. Balaam saw into the spiritual realm and saw what was going on and that his life was in danger when God opened his eyes. So Balaam was blind to something and God opened his eyes so that he saw. Let's look at a third example by a prophet by the name of Moses. This is found in Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 to 13. Then Pharaoh drew near. The children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so that they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us? To bring us out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall not see again no more forever. 
So there's this argument between Moses and the children of Israel. The children of Israel were complaining to Moses that he had brought them out into the wilderness to die and that the Egyptians were about to kill them. We are following God's direction. We are doing what God says, the things that he told us to do, and things are going wrong. Well, you know what? When we do the things of God, sometimes things go wrong. Just because we're walking in the will of God does not mean that everything is always going to go right. This is the case with the children of Israel. They were following God's will and things were going wrong. The children of Israel saw the coming doom, the uh, approaching Egyptian army coming to kill them. All they saw was that they were going to die. This was all God's fault. This was all the fault of Moses. But Moses saw things much differently than the rest of faithless Israel. Moses saw God's deliverance. Moses saw that God was about to do something to bring marvelous and powerful deliverance to the children of Israel. And so Moses saw something that the children of Israel did not see. And that's the point. So we've looked at some examples from the Old Testament of those that had sight when others around them were blind. We've looked at the example of the prophet Elijah. We looked at uh, the false prophet Balaam. And we've looked at the prophet Moses. Let's now turn to the New Testament and look at some New Testament examples. We have the story of Jesus in John chapter 4, where he spends uh, an extensive amount of time with a woman at the well. And um, at the end of that conversation, the woman at the well decides that Jesus is the coming Messiah. And then she leaves Jesus and the disciples and goes back into the city to tell the city about what she's discovered about Jesus being the Messiah. And so Jesus is at the well with the disciples and he says this in John 4 verse 35. Do you not say there is still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. So what was Jesus seeing? He was telling his disciples that a great work of ingathering lay before them and that they should give themselves to this task. Jesus was probably referring to a crowd of Samaritans now approaching them from the city led by this Samaritan woman. Jesus saw it, but his disciples did not. Jesus saw through eyes of faith. The disciples had no such sight. Let's look at another example from the life of Jesus. Jesus appears to two disciples on the Emmaus Road after his resurrection. Luke 24. Let's start reading at verse 16. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. So they were, there were these two disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they were disciples of Jesus. And they were talking about the events that just occurred in Jerusalem with the death of Jesus. And this stranger walks up to them and asks them what they're talking about. And of course, they're surprised that um, this stranger, who was Jesus Christ, uh, did not understand or did not know about the events that just occurred in Jerusalem. And these disciples, of course, were distraught. And like the other disciples, they were totally unprepared for the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
even though Jesus had told the closest disciples to him, the 12, that he was going to die, they were totally unprepared for these events when they occurred. And these two disciples, which were walking down this road, uh, were surprised that Jesus didn't understand these events or, or didn't seem to be aware of these events. And they believed that the death of Christ was really the end of the story, that everything was finished, uh, that everything was done. Now that this man, Jesus Christ, whom they believed was the Messiah, had died. They believed that it was all over with. And they were defeated by this, these tragic events that happened to Jesus in Jerusalem. They were even aware of reports that Jesus had risen from the dead on the third day. Look at Luke 24, verses 22 to 24. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. So even after there was uh, certain reports that Jesus had risen from the dead, these two disciples still did not believe. And they were completely blinded to the things that Jesus had told the disciples, that he would rise from the dead. And even after Jesus explained to these men on the road from the scriptures, all these events must occur they still did not see. They still did not believe. These men were blinded to the truth until they realized that it was Jesus who was talking to them. And in verse 31 of Luke 24, it says, Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And so these disciples were blinded. They did not see. Let's look at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. This is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. This is Paul's prayer. He prayed that the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's read this verse in the New Living Translation because I think it really brings it to light. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he's called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. That's Ephesians 1.18 in the New Living Translation. Why would Paul pray this? Unfortunately, the eyes of our understanding or the eyes of our heart are not always open. We are blind and we are desperately in need of healing. We need the eyes of our heart opened. We need the eyes of our understanding opened. And Paul prays for the Ephesian Christians that, their, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that the eyes of their heart would be opened. Because Paul knew our tendency, our proclivity towards blindness, towards closing a heart off and not being open to truth. This is so common with the believer that we are closed to the truth, that our eyes are not open as open as they should be. And we need healing from this. So let's look at how we can be healed of this blindness. So let's go back to our text. First of all, I want to look at the context 
of the story of blind Bartimaeus because this is very important. If you look a little bit earlier in the chapter, you'll see that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, knowing that he would be crucified. And for the third time, Jesus tells his disciples about his death, crucifixion, and resurrection. But they still don't understand. If you look in Mark 10, verse 32 to 34, it reads this way. Now they were on the road going to Jerusalem. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. Just after this, it's recorded in Matthew and in Mark that James and John asked Jesus for an exalted position in the kingdom. It says in Mark 10, verse 37, They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. Now what were they thinking? Did they not hear what Jesus just said? Jesus had been very honest with them in telling them exactly what would happen, the events that would transpire shortly after this. And here we have James and John approaching him and asking him for an exalted position in his kingdom. What were they thinking? Did they have selective hearing? Luke goes on to tell us, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. That's found in Luke 18, verse 34. So the disciples were blind to the truth that Jesus was telling them. They just didn't get it. They just maybe didn't even want to get what Jesus was saying, because this truth was just too difficult for them to accept. So the disciples were blinded to the truth about Jesus. They could not see it. They were blinded to some of the things that Jesus was telling them. And when these events happened, the disciples were completely unprepared, even though Jesus had warned them three times that he was going to die and rise from the dead on the third day. They were blinded to the truth and had selective hearing. Now the story of blind Bartimaeus follows these events. Jesus was passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. Bartimaeus became aware that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by the road where he was begging. Blindness had reduced Bartimaeus' life to a life of begging. The Bible tells us that Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's Mark 10, verse 47. Bartimaeus recognized and addressed Jesus as the son of David. The son of David was a messianic title found throughout the Old Testament. And this is the title that Bartimaeus used for Jesus. Mark illustrates the irony of a blind man who had spiritual sight to the blindness of the crowd who did not have that same sight. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's Mark 10 verse 47. The Greek verb stresses continuous action. Many kept warning him to be quiet. And so there were many in the crowd that kept telling him to be quiet. And they were attempting to silence this annoying voice. But the Bible tells us that he kept 
calling out even louder. They persisted, but he persisted even more. Look at the persistence of this blind man seeking healing from Jesus. The crowd probably regarded him as a nuisance, and many had been opposed to what he was shouting. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus heard him and called for him to be brought to him. Verse 49, and throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. That's Mark 10, verse 50. Everything he does here suggests an expectant faith, tossing aside his garment and quickly getting up on his feet to come into the presence of Jesus. A joyful, reckless, and eager response to the call of Jesus. So Jesus answers and says to him, What do you want me to do for you? This seems like a strange question to ask a blind man, but Jesus wanted to give the man an opportunity to express himself and to reveal his faith. Bartimaeus expressed exactly what he wanted. Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. That's Mark 10, verse 51. Rabboni is a very tender and respectful Aramaic term, meaning master or teacher. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. That's Mark 10, verse 52. This man's faith is evidenced by his persistence. His persistent plead for mercy did not go unanswered. There are three characteristics that brought Bartimaeus healing. The first one is persistence. He was determined to get an audience with Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He had to deal with barriers, but he still persisted until he got Jesus' attention. The second thing is focus. He was single-minded. Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. He knew exactly what he needed. And then the third thing was faith. That's trust, belief, and reliance. He believed Jesus was the Messiah and that Jesus had the answer to his needs. Jesus commended him for his faith. Go your way, your faith has made you well. These three characteristics were necessary for Bartimaeus to receive healing. And these three characteristics are necessary for us to be healed of blindness and to receive our sight. The Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. When we walk by faith, we will have sight. Maybe you've never thought about the fact that you may have blindness. My encouragement to you is that you seek God's truth, that you are a constant truth seeker. You can't go wrong if you continually seek truth. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to have sight. Lord, heal me of blindness, the blind spots in my life where I'm blinded to truth, where I don't see, where I don't have God's perspective, your perspective, Lord. Heal me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.